Greetings, one and all. This is podcast for me. I'm your host, K Dog, aka Kevin, aka K Dizzle, aka K Forty Seven. No, I'm joking. This is a podcast I created just for myself and everyone else, whoever wants to listen. And in this podcast, we're going to do something yummy. It's mostly nerd stuff. With recent news, with uh, all the shootings and killings and all that nonsense, I decided to just go full nerd. And so for this podcast, we're going to review the whole season one of... Uh, Star Trek Discovery, uh, yeah, and uh, if you haven't noticed, I have been drinking, so I might not be so lucid, I am, because I'm thoroughly smashed, but we're going to throw this out, we're going to throw all of it out, so I'm kind of winging it here, I'm just going to go over each episode's uh, real quick, you know, brief synopsis, and, and kind of go where what I was thinking and where the show went, went. Uh, overall, I like season one, but there is something weird about this after the fact. Uh, you know, I watched it, and I enjoyed it thoroughly to a, to a great extreme. But if you were to ask me to watch the whole season again, I don't think I could. Like uh, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine or uh, Next Generation, you can kind of watch those shows over and over and over. You know, given it, given it a couple years or so, like you wait a couple years, maybe five, come back to it, and you can watch it again. And it's pretty good and memorable. But this show isn't in that way. I, I, I don't know how to explain it, really. Maybe the quality of things have gone down. It used to be you, you created something, and you were able to watch it over and over and over. Like, for instance, The Predator. When that movie came out, great. And to this day, I could pop that movie in and have a great time. But if I think of a movie that came out recently that I liked, like, uh, let me think, like Doctor Strange. I really like that movie, but watching it again, eh, not so much. Well, with this show, although I thought at the time when I was watching it, I really thought it was good. And so let me get into some things here real quick. So Star Trek Discovery is a show about... um, uh, the first spaceship to use some kind of a drive called a spore drive, spore drive, mushroom drive, something like that. And I guess like the universe is connected in the premises, this, the universe is connected in some kind of a mushroom network where like, <laughs> sounds stupid as you say it out loud, but um, there's threads that go throughout all time and space and it's a network that's close to what they call a mushroom, some space mushroom. That just sounds stupid. But yeah, they could have just said quantum physics or something, like a quantum drive. But they had to go with mushrooms, whatever. So, and then the the story really focuses on one character in particular. Called, her name is Michael Burnham, which is weird. You know, Michael's usually a boy name, but it's the future. It's progressive. So yeah, Michael Brunham, that's her name. And this is a female who was raised by Vulcans. And the Vulcans, as all of you should know, are people without emotion, pure logic. So she's raised that way. So she's kind of like a a Vulcan, but because she's human, she has emotions. And um, in the first of any Star Trek series, the story follows her. 
and she's like the main character in the whole season and previous star treks it wasn't like that you would have characters and it was more like star trek was a place you know like you watch star trek well, i don't know the first star trek was more about kirk than anything and he was the main character. Star Trek Next Generation was more about the ship and the interactions between the characters. But, uh, yeah, that's about it, really. And Deep Space Nine was the same thing, but more, like, extreme. And it stayed on a space station. So you'd have a space station, a bunch of characters, and see their relationships and things like that. Instead of a ship moving around, they just had a space station and things came to them. Which you wouldn't think would be done well, but, yeah. It was done real well. Then you had Voyager, which was kind of like going back to its roots, but it was like Star Trek, what Star Trek Next Generation should have been. And it's a, a, a ship that gets sent 75,000 light years away or some shit like that. And they have to get back home. And each character had their own dynamic. And it's like they took the best parts of Star Trek, the original thing, and the best parts of D Space Nine, glopped them together. I don't know, man. I'm going to have to rewatch Voyager. But Deep Space Nine right now, as I'm rewatching, it's pretty good. You got. And then after that, they had Enterprise, which was. I don't know what they were trying to do when they made that. It was like Explorers. It was trying to reboot Star Trek onto itself in a way without rebooting it. But it wasn't that great. And now you have Star Trek Discovery. Let's go into it. So, Season 1, Episode 1 called the Vulcan hello and this is um the story introduces the characters of Michael Burnham her captain um what is her name uh, let's click on it real quick let me go into her name let's get into the character cast I already forgot these people's fucking name Captain Philippa Giorgio played by Michelle Yao who was also known in Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon uh, she's the captain. Uh, Michael Burnham's the second officer. Or for, and, um, and the episode starts with her telling her, hey, I, you know, we've been together seven years and now you're going to be a captain. And this is a big deal for uh, Michael Burnham because, you know, this is like her mother telling her, you, you've earned uh, a level the same as mine kind of thing. Like, we are now equals, that kind of thing. And... Uh, before that even happens, while exploring, they meet up with some kind of an ancient artifact, which turns out to be Klingons. And um, somehow, Michael Burnham accidentally kills one of them. That's a big deal. And uh, the, Klingon, the Klingons, who are like this uh, race of warriors, come out. They're like, hey, what the fuck? But not really. They're just, uh, you know, meeting up with them and getting ready to fight them or some stupid shit like that and uh michael burnham's like freaking out because her parents were killed by klingons and here she is face to face with some klingons so it's a ship and another ship and they're like what the fuck is going on and um it seems like shit's gonna go down so michael burnham speaks with her dad who is sarak uh, played by james franen frane good actor and she's like, hey, what did you do when you met the Klingons? It seems like nothing's working. And he's saying, back in the day, we did this thing where we shot them. And every time we see uh, Klingons, we would, we would fight them viciously. Called the Vulcan Hello. That's why it's called the Vulcan Hello. Because every time they saw them, instead of saying hi, they shot at them. 
So that gives Michael Burnham the idea of shoot first, ask questions later. And so um, she tells that to her captain. Her captain's like, no, you can't, we can't do that. And so they have a conversation in the, in the captain's ready room. And uh, Michael Burnham uh, tries to talk to her, reason with uh, her captain. doesn't work. So she does this thing called the Vulcan nerve pinch where she puts her to sleep, which is kind of weird because she's human. Um, and that happens. So then she goes out and she orders the attack on um, on the Klingon ship. Uh, no one. There's this guy named Saru. He's this like tall alien played by Doug Jones. This guy in Hellboy. He takes he plays the blue guy. And he's like Saru's like, hey man, what the fuck? We can't be firing on this ship. And then um, I guess Giorgio wakes up and is like, what the fuck? How dare you betray me? Go to jail. So he puts her in uh, the brig. So um, without even firing on him, the uh, the Klingons do this thing where they turn into this giant bright light. And what I haven't been talking about is what's going on in the Klingon ship. They're like um, having, I guess they're trying to unite all the 27, 24 clans of the Klingons. And um, they're talking about some prophecy. They introduce this character named Valk, who's some kind of a white uh, Klingon. And that's like totally like a thing where they're like, what the fuck? White Klingon, everyone hates this guy. Um, they send some kind of bright light. It's a big beacon. And it's like some kind of a prophecy. So all the Klingons meet up at that one point. Um, they decide to unite and fight the, the Federation just because they want to fight. They want to remain Klingon, they say. They want to unite and fight. So that's what they do. Big battle ensues. Um, in fact, I'm like speeding through this because there's really uh, not much to go on. The big battle ensues. Um, everyone loses. Klingons don't actually lose. They're all right. And... Uh, I guess the only chance they could they got to stop the war is kill the leader or capture the leader and then they'll stop fighting the war. They go over the other ship, both Philippa and uh what's her name? Uh Michael Burnham, they go to the, the bad guy ship, they do some fighting, Philippa dies, this pisses off Michael Burnham and she shoots the bad guy, and then that's pretty much it. When the, the dust settles, Microburn goes to jail for mutiny. All right. So I just gave a quick synopsis of those two episodes. And this is what I came from it. I, when I first watched that, that was pretty cool. It was a real riveting. Um, I like the characters, the acting. Um, at one point, um, when Microburnum's in the brig in the second episode, she's like trying to get out of the there's big explosions all around because it's war and she's trying to escape and she she kind of like chess chess plays the computer and tells the computer hey you gotta let me out and the computer's like no but if i die is that good and, i mean somehow she tricks the computer into letting her go <laughs> i thought that was pretty cool another thing is so she starts this mutiny where she's supposed to attack the ship but she doesn't and they blame the war on 
Michael Burnham, which doesn't make sense. And I said that from the beginning. For some reason, they blamed the entire war on Michael Burnham. Michael Burnham didn't start the war. I mean, at best, you could say because she stabbed that one Klingon, but they were their their hearts were set on fighting the the um, Federation. So it doesn't make sense that they blamed it on her. I mean, another um, thing they could have probably blamed the war on is so they came up with the stupid plan of capturing well it's not stupid they came up with a plan of capturing the king klingon king guy who's he's not the king he's like a priest dude who's trying to reunite all the clans of the klingons okay so if they capture him they'll they'll shame him into stopping this war whatever and she ends up killing him because he kills um philippa captain philippa who is for all intents purposes her mother kind of which is weird and um if you watch the episode the imagery is pretty cool they do this cool thing with the holograms that they never do in any other star trek series see this is supposed to be a prequel 10 years before the original uh star trek so i don't know they're using holograms to talk uh, um yeah, and that's it. She goes to prison, and uh, and they say forever, which is really hardcore. The third episode's called "Context for Kings" is for kings, which is basically an episode where they introduce the captain Gabriel Lorca, uh, due to some battle injury, he has to be in the dark. Um, and they introduce this ship called the discovery and what it could do is travel anywhere uh, in the universe instantly but it's kind of hard for them to figure that out at first because the uh the um the i don't know they have to know the exact point that they need to be so the thing can't just warp to that spot a big thing that was going on at the time when this episode when the show came out was all the star trek nerds the hardcore ones they were like why the fuck does this engine exist why is it they can go anywhere in the universe and there was no mention of it and that was an ongoing thing that people couldn't get out of their heads supposed to just letting the show go and then eventually they just don't use the thing anymore but whatever you meet this uh, mysterious Captain Gabriel Lorca. He's pretty cool. Uh, uh, you know what? I'm not going to describe every single episode. I just thought about it. But what I liked about this episode is uh, you just watch the show. And if you want to know my review of it, you can come back to this after you watch the show. This is going to work better if I just talk about the episode with the understanding that you've seen it. Uh, so in context for is for kings, I thought was cool because Captain Gabriel, he he's he's talking about he he has this conversation with uh, Michael Burnham. He goes context is for kings, meaning whatever is going on, only the, the kings decide context of what you're doing. So if you're fighting a war, only the kings decide what that war is for. For for a context is for kings that that could be like, you know, whatever I say is good. And that's that's what he's thinking, you know. He goes, the ends justify the means, you know. Killing a million people is worth it in the end, if I'm the king, because it's worth it. Because I said so. Um, they introduce Stamets, whose character, I think, uh, changes over time. Um, I remember watching this episode, I really liked it. They introduced the spore drive and all that. Uh, this is one of my favorite episodes of the season. Kinda. 
Let's see here. The Butcher's Knife episode was this four. It's called The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry. I don't know. That is a long name. What's the synopsis? With tensions at stakes, High at Starfleet continues in their efforts to end the war with the Klingons. Burnham begins to settle in her new position. Oh, yeah. So, you're wondering. So, like, Burnham gets, like, uh, put on this Enterprise ship, or what's it called? Discovery ship. And she's, like, considered a specialist, not, like, an officer. And, uh, yeah. I guess in this episode, let me think. Butcher's not for kings. Yeah, in this one... They're figuring out the spore drive. Is this what I, what episode is this? Batarang girl call. They're trying to figure out shit. Let's see here, plot summary. Let me look at some plot summary. Oh, oh shit, no, we really did a plot summary of this one. Um, I guess in this episode too, this is kind of a weird thing. Um, the, the Klingon ship that started the war, uh, kind of got, was still there six months after the, the war started, which is kind of a weird thing, you know, <laughs> like here you guys are with this ship that can cloak and, um, all these other Federation ships are just out there, you know, floating around at the battle of the binary stars and no one ever thought to come back. Meanwhile, this is another weird thing on the Klingon ship that just kind of um, is just uh, floating there. They're like, uh, they have no supplies. They've just been there for six months. So they've been eating dead bodies. Ugh, that's gross. And the one ship that they, for some reason, of all the ships that are there, only the Shinzon, or whatever it's called, Shinzon? Ah, I forgot the name of the ship. It's um, it has a, a computer core for their ship to move, and all they had to do was raid this uh, ship, and everything would have been good. But they didn't because they're Klingons. That was a kind of a weird thing. Um, there's this thing called a tardigray that is able to. Uh, it's it's like this alien that they found on a on another discovery ship the previous episode it was like a it's like the discovery's twin or some shit like that and they're working on the spore drive too and um they they find this monster that can rip through holes and things like that and they capture it and then they're going to use it to figure out uh weapons and shit out of it and uh while Weird. You would think there would be more episode synopsis, but there isn't. Well, anyways, they're trying to figure out how it claws through walls and shit like that. And Michael Burnham, through compassion, figures out how, like, the, how the tardigrades, like, coupled with the, um, with the mycelium network, somehow it's able to use the my the mushroom drive and go anywhere so they got these things where they plug into the tardigrade it's this alien and they're able to use that thing to teleport where they need to go <laughs> it's funny too because like when it goes to um like when that when the when the when they want to 
I don't know, how do I say this? When they want to travel somewhere, a couple of tentacles come out and it attaches itself to the tardigrade's nipples and just sucks on its nipples until they can get to where they need to go. And they can teleport anywhere. And um, I think in this episode, they saved some mining colony that was getting all fucked up. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. That episode was okay, but it sucked watching the uh, the tardigrade getting nipple sucked because it was like screaming out of control. And, like, that's fucking weird. It's a weird kind of Star Trek episode where Star the uh, Federation is like hurting animals and shit to get to some end to to do something. You know, like in all the Star Trek um, series, um, never once do you see a ship torture another being to get to where they need to go and that's where star trek enterprise is all about or discovery memory alpha is not that great i mean it's very dense it doesn't have like a quick synopsis the way the actress meets another cool thing in that episode is um the cat the security officer she goes and gets killed she's all like uh she goes, I'll, I'll teach this tardigrade a lesson because in the episode before, uh, her uh, some of her friends get killed or some shit like that. And I don't know why, but she gets it in her head that this monster who can rip through holes uh, will listen to her if she shoots it a bunch of times. Oh, and by the way, lasers don't work. So she opens the door and shoots at it. It fucking kills her and she fucking dies, which is crazy because, like, I mean, four episodes in and the main character dies. That's when shit got real. Like, I didn't know who was going to die. It's good that she died, because I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, let's see here. See, and at this point, as I was watching the show, I was like, that was pretty cool. It was very interesting. But I didn't watch the episode more than once. Um, a thing to note about the show so far is when you see the Klingons, you don't know what you're looking at. And they look so alien and they don't look like normal Klingons, and uh, when they talk, it's hard to understand them. They don't. They all look alike, so I feel kind of racist looking at the Klingons. Um, the next episode after that, um, so they figured a way to use the, the Discovery in a great way, and so that's like the number one weapon in, um, in this war against the Klingons. So... The next episode, Choose Your Pain, they find it that they're they're overusing this tardigrade, sucking his nipples, it's taking its toll. And um, in this episode, you meet, they have some kind of a meeting. And this has always been a thing in Star Trek. Whenever they had, they had meetings, they, um, they would always get abducted. And without, without a doubt, this happens every time. And so I guess... Captain Lorca uh, has a meeting with, um, with the Federation, and then on his way back, they go and capture him and torture him to get information. There we meet Ash Tyler, and um, it's cool. Like when you watch the show, uh, you don't know that he's like some kind of a plant, but it doesn't even look like that. That's the way they were going with it. It just seems like he was just a just a, a fucking fellow guy but i guess they always had that in their head i don't know it was kind of weird that ash tyler 
um, went from prisoner to automatically being trusted by Gabriel Lorca. Uh, they meet uh, Mud, which is weird because he's a Star Trek character from the original show, and they introduced Mud, and that's supposed to be a thing. Um, let's see here. They milk the tardigrade so much that it turns into a shell of itself, so it can't travel anymore. So they have to figure out some other way to travel uh, with this spore drive. And uh, Stamets figures out that he's going to inject himself with some kind of mutagen to make him kind of like a tardigrade, and it'll use, so to suck, it'll suck his nipples, I guess, <laughs> which they fix later on. Um, I guess the guy who takes who becomes captain while Captain Lorca's way is uh, Saru, who's this alien who's like uh, from from the moment he was born, he he lives in fear. As his whole race is a like a like a bunch of people who are always afraid of stuff, and uh, he takes charge. He creates this weird program that judges him on his captain skills based off of other captains that are awesome, which is kind of weird. And at the very end of it, he 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 asks the computer to give him a, a summation of his captaining skills, and he fucking just says, "You know what? Never mind. I know what I did," which was pretty cool. I mean. You know, he's a pretty cool character, you know, a character who's like super scared all the time but overcomes his disability because it really is a disability to be constantly afraid. Um, they kill the tardigrade, but then they, they somehow revive it and it goes on to do its thing, kind of like a Dune. <laughs> and um, it, was, it was weird that they were torturing an animal to teleport to, to places. It was very un-Star trek which I understand... That's why a lot of fans were against this show because of that. It's like a abomination of Star Trek, but you could just think of it as a a story, you know. Um, a thing to note though is you got four episodes. How many episodes? This is the fifth, this is the fifth episode, if I'm not mistaken. One, two, three, four. Yeah, episode five. So you're five episodes in. You don't really know much about all the characters. You you get a little bit of Saru, um, Gabriel Lorca. You get he gets tortured, and for some reason he's so hardcore. And um, yeah, and it doesn't make sense at the time because, I mean, he's from the Federation. They're not battle ready people. Yeah, he can handle torture like no other. Um, that's about it. Uh, it's weird too because like there's not that many filler episodes, so the story is really steamrolling, but it's steamrolling nowhere. The Klingon War is dragging out, and I guess we're losing because we don't we can't see their ships. Um, the next episode of that was Lethe. I don't even know what that means. I think that's like a Greek god of some sort. And in this one, what episode is this? Lethay. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, this was a kind of filler, but just gave you a deeper background on the main character. So, Saru, Sarak, um, Michael Burnham's kind of dad, um, gets blown up and he's out in the middle of space. And through some kind of a weird psychic connection, Michael Burnham leads a rescue mission for him. Somehow she, they, they get him. They do this thing where they're uh, 
like um, going into his mind. And as it turns out, when as he's close to death, he can only think about his greatest shame. And it was he chose Spock, his son, over Michael Burnham when it came to this Space Academy thing. He had to choose who goes to Space Academy. And he chose Spock over her. And that really hurt his feelings. And they kind of worked through that. Uh, what else goes on in this episode? Um, uh, Ash Tyler is a part of the crew. Uh, um, that's about it, really. Um, one character I like that's been growing in this show was Tilly. Uh, she's like a goofy engineer, uh, spunky, you know. And uh, she seems to be, you know, low self-esteem and everything like that. Really, real quirky. But she's growing as a character throughout the show. She's uh, Michael Burnham's roommate. But she's she's to note because she really does add a lot of levity to the whole show. And I think, I think in this episode, she says the F word. Which I meant fuck. If you're wondering what the F word is. Again, I say fuck. No, I don't think it's this one. Is it? Let's see here. I can't remember. It's either this episode or the episode before the first ever Star Trek fuck word. Um, a lot of these episodes, when I first watched them, they were pretty cool. Um, but upon reflection, not so much. There's not much where I'm like, oh man, I want to watch this again. Um, yeah. Uh, me and my dad really like this show. Uh, let's see what else we got going on here. Uh, magic to may make the sanest man go mad. These fucking names are long. Um, okay, so this episode it's about repeating over and over and over. Now this is a trope. It's like Groundhog Day. Um, uh, the the episode keeps repeating. Turns out Mud has this ability to repeat. Um, time over and over and over until he finally gets it right so people are constantly dying and mud's figuring out the ship and uh that's about it they end up killing him in the, or actually no at the very end they end up getting him to go with some lady that he was supposed to marry uh, a while back and um that's about it really um, in this show, in this episode, which wasn't that great, um, it was cool when he was killing everybody. They did this cool little montage of Captain Lorca dying, and I thought that was pretty cool. That was real different. Um, and it, and it shows insight on, um, St Stamus, the engineer who gets his nipple sucked. Now he's got this kind of device that hooks up into him. Uh, and that's how they are able to teleport from one place to another. And um, and he starts to act real groovy. It's pretty cool because at first he's more of a, um, like a dick. And, but he's he becomes cool because he can connect to his mushrooms. Um, the episode out of that next is called Civis Passum Parabellum. I don't know what that means. But uh, I, I could look it up, but I don't really care. In this episode, so it turns out that 
Uh, the Federation's losing the Klingons badly. And there's this one planet where they could figure out some kind of vibrating tone. And through that, they will be able to see all the uh, Klingon ships when they're cloaking. All right. So they go to this planet. They meet these aliens that are pure light. And they do some kind of a thing where they make, what's his name? Saru. Um, they make him not a... Um, Afraid for the first time ever and this makes him go crazy because he doesn't want to leave this planet ever and so he tricks his two uh people it's michael burnham and ash tyler he tricks them into being like totally like he tricks them into thinking that they can't leave that place or some stupid shit like that and they they and he's like super strong they they demonstrate that he's super powerful <laughs> And um, in this episode, Michael Burnham and Ash Tyler kiss. So, so from you go from one, two, three, four episodes, from Choose Your Pain to this episode. Four episodes later, uh, Michael Burnham and Ash Tyler kiss. I don't know how much time has passed, but it felt like I don't know. It wasn't really it wasn't written well. It was like. Um, they were just pushing the story. They did a lot of uh, telling, not showing, which is bad writing. And I, I guess they had this thing where um, they didn't have enough time or whatever. But, I mean, that could have been done with, um, like, fast-forwarding, saying it's been three months since this or it's been four months since that. And, like, make it look like they've been together for a bit. But they just all, all of a sudden start kissing each other. That's the thing. So they're into each other. Mm. Um, in the end, uh, they escape the planet and everything's all good because, um, I don't know why, um, he fucking beats their asses and almost kills them and, uh, Saru, it's all good. It's okay. Saru wasn't, um, alien possessed or anything. He just decided to be a bad guy and, uh, they're totally cool with it. <laughs> in fact, there's no rep, rep repercussions for him. Well, anyways, at the very end of it, the aliens think that they could make peace by talking to the Klingons. They're going to tell the Klingons what's up, and the Klingons are going to go there to kill them. Because the Klingons are like, oh shit, these aliens could show who we are, so obviously they're going to kill them. So it becomes a thing in which, um, where the, Enterprise, the Discovery has to defend these aliens from this fight. So it's pretty much a showdown. Um... So in this episode called Into the Forest I Go, which should have been called this episode. This name doesn't make sense for this episode, but but whatever. Um, in this episode, they're like, they figure out a way to, this is dumb. They figure a way to see how to, how to map a Klingon ship. They, they have to put a series of three beacons on the ship and then let them stay there for three days. And that won't work, right? So they figured that time will be sped up if they warp around the ship. And they figure they have to warp like a hundred times, you know. So uh, that's a lot for Stamus. It really takes it out of them when they warp. So they want him to warp 200 bunch of times. And then, you know, that will that will work. And they end up doing it. Um, and they're able to see Klingon ships, but this takes Damas' toll, and he 
passes out and his eyes go white or whatever. And, um, oh no, they don't go white. Uh, he just kind of passes out. Um, what's her name? Uh, Michael Burnham gets on that ship to plant the things with, uh, what's his name? Tyler, Tyler Ash. And they're like, um, I guess Tyler Ash goes into some kind of a comatose state because he sees the person who was torturing him and, uh, and, um, what's her name? Michael Burnham goes to, uh, fight the main bad guy to, to, what, what, what's the word? Try to drag out time so they can finish their warping. And, uh, that's it. She fights him, which is weird because they're supposed to be stronger, but for some reason she's able to fight the Klingons. They really don't give you a definition of their strength because, like, uh, they're stronger than us, right? And she's a female, so she is weaker. I don't know. Uh, it's cool though. She fights him, jumps off, some, and falls down, and gets transported at the same time. It's a cool effect. And um, so mission complete. They destroyed the the um, ship of the dead. That's what they call it. And life is good. So they decide to teleport one last time to home and. Uh, the captain Lorca he decides to pull a fast one and presses a button and when they go to teleport they teleport to another universe and um, everyone's all freaked out by it so this is the so at this point in time they they have a mid-season finale you come back and they're in another universe Stamus is passed out having some kind of a weird thing um Ash Tyler, for reasons I don't understand, is all of a sudden going crazy and doing weird things, and they're in another universe, and now they're going to pretend to be bad guys in this mirror universe. This is where the show gets kind of dumb. I mean, it's it's cool that they went to the mirror universe. I remember first watching it, thinking, oh, it's pretty cool, but they just stayed there, and lots of shit's going down. In the mirror universe, it seems like all the bad guys, all the federations of the bad guys, and everyone that's weird is cool. Like, like Tilly in that universe, her name is, she calls herself Killy, and she's like captain of the ship. <laughs> and Tilly, who takes that identity, plays it off pretty good. Her name is Killy. She is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, let me see if I really want to talk about this. Uh, they find out that I'm not going to really go through every episode right now because I'm getting bored of what I'm talking about. So, okay. Summing, summing up, Chapter 2 of Season 1 is basically you find out that Lorca has been, he's from the Mirror Universe, and he's, this is his master plan all along, is to come back, uh, save his crew, and take over the emperor, who is who is Philippa Georgia, which is pretty cool because she's got like Stargate powers. <laughs> she can transport at will. She can. Um, she has some kind of a weird shield, and she knows kung fu. Lorca takes over the emperor's ship, who happens to have some kind of a engine that's going to destroy all reality for some unknown reason the discovery defeats them and they teleport to nine months into the future 
back home. The Klingons have won the war pretty much. They make a deal with the Emperor from the other mirror universe to, to for some reason, fight the Klingons because she's done it before. And they decide to destroy the Klingons' planet and even Federation's all about it, and, and only Michael Burnham's about this is the only one who's like, look, bro, we can't do this because I did something bad back then, which is the mutiny she's referring to. And that's about it, just because she wanted a like a fast exit. And if she had went through with it and it worked, it would have worked. But she uses this kind of conversation as in, I started a mutiny that started a war, which they're not remembering the beginning of the season. That's how bad the writing is for this this uh, show. I mean, it's like they're not paying attention to what they're writing. In season one, I like to I like to talk to the people who made this fucking show. In the beginning, the only thing she really does is she puts a Vulcan nerve pinch or whatever the fuck on Philippa, and she was gonna fire on the ship. And I think. It was before they like they lit the signal. If she would have won, there would have been no Klingon war. But because Giorgio woke up in time and stopped her. So she took a shortcut to prevent a catastrophe. And she would have been right. Fast forward to now. If they destroy Kronos, um, the, the, the Klingon homeworld, the Klingons would be like, I guess they'll be defeated or whatever. And, uh... She decides to be like, hey, look, we can't do this. The Federation can't do this. If we do this, we'll be no better than them and blah, blah, blah. I've learned my lesson. Which, what lesson did you learn? Because your way would have worked. <laughs> and, you know, whatever. So they give the bomb to, like, the keys of the bomb to um, the, the one white Klingon lady. Uh, I forgot her name. Laurel, yeah, that's her name. They gave it to her so she could unite the the federal uh, the Klingon houses and stop the war, and they automatically stop fighting. And that's pretty much the end of the fucking show. And then they end the season with a cliffhanger of them about to save the uh, Enterprise, which is kind of weird because at the very end they're like they're on some routine mission. All of a sudden, there's a ship that needs help. And they're trying to say, oh, we're finding out who it is. And it's like, um, it's slowly texting NC-1701 um, uh, Enterprise or some shit like that. But it's kind of weird, like, that in the future you get texted in, like, parts of a letter. <laughs> I thought that was funny. So what do you think I think the show is? It was pretty good. I mean, as a whole, it's not very rewatchable. Uh, I know people are watching this show again, creating content in the way of um, like podcasts and such. But like the the, the show itself isn't that great. Um, I really liked it when I was watching it initially, but upon reflection, I really don't have it in me to watch it again. Maybe years from now, maybe, to watch 15 episodes. But what my general consensus of the show is it felt rushed. And the story shifted around a lot. Like, take Michael Burnham and the Klingons. I mean, that was going to be a thing, but then it became a mirror universe thing. 
And like you would think, oh, well, Star Trek had different shifting stories. You're right. Each episode shifted in stories. But this didn't. It had a straight course, you know. One episode doesn't work without the other, you know. You could probably take out two episodes out of the whole show. The show would still work. But in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, you could take out a bunch of shows, episodes, and the show would still work. But would it? No, not really. Because a lot of that extra shit built up those characters to earn certain things. Like, for instance, uh, Michael Burnham and um, Ash Tyler, they're, they're like so fucking in love after four episodes. And it turns out he's a fucking Klingon. And, um, yeah, that's a thing. Um, the relationship between her and, um, Lorca, that was weird. Um, that's about it. Tilly was pretty cool. Liked her. Um, yeah, so, I give season one a, a seven out of ten points. And that's Star Trek Discovery. Alright, since we're talking some nerd talk... What else do I want to talk about? Nerd talk. I would like to talk about Metal Gear Solid 5. That's a cool game. Not really. I mean, if you ever played Peace Walker, that is one of the best um, Metal Gear games ever. It had a good story and it had a cool gaming engine. And so what Metal Gear Solid 5 was, it took the gaming engine and everything and just advanced on it. But then it gave it a shitty story. And I think that's mostly in part because, um, what's his name? Hideo Kojima, the, the maker of the game, um, didn't want to, uh, he didn't want to. It's more like, uh, he shat on his own story because they were kicking him out. And that kind of sucks because, like, uh, Metal Gear Solid's pretty cool. <laughs> um, it's just a bummer. Uh, it it, it makes no sense. They, they got these, uh, this guy turns and it turns out he's a doctor and, um, they through hypnosis and some kind of weird training that's in his brain. He's able to be just like a solid snake and there's two solid snakes or whatever. And that's it. Um, yeah, that's about it. I really thought I had more about that. But Metal Gear Solid 5, what a bust. You're like, why the fuck is he talking about Metal Gear Solid 5? I have no fucking clue. <laughs> I, just, I just brought it up. <laughs> Alright. Well, that was my review on Star Trek. Those were my thoughts on Metal Gear. God damn, I really thought I had more to talk about on Metal Gear. Let me, let me look at my history. Because I was watching Metal Gear Solid uh, uh, videos on YouTube. And I was thinking, oh yeah, let me... I'm going to make a podcast and talk about Metal Gear Solid 5. And I have nothing. They released Chrono Trigger on the computer, that's, which is just the mobile version of... Uh, which is just a mobile convert or something like that. And they just put it on the computer. So it's not really... It's like playing a phone game on a computer. Pacheco... Yeah, in defense of Metal Gear. Metal Gear. They made Metal Gear survive, which is like, I don't know what the fuck they were doing there. They um, they took parts of Metal Gear Solid Five and made their own game. I don't know why they did that. Let's see here, what else we got going 
on here. Oh, well, yeah, that's all I want to talk about. Uh, I don't know if you're listening to this podcast and you think it's any good. I mean, damn, I hope you don't because this one wasn't that great. I was just rambling about Star Trek <laughs> Season 1. You know, it's funny. When I watched uh, Star Trek Season 1 uh, of Discovery, I really liked that show. But then when I was thinking about it, uh, when I reflected on it, I really didn't like the show that much. I mean, it was okay. I like a lot of cool parts, but nothing to come back to. See, that's the cool thing about Deep Space Nine, because, like, when you watch it, they got these characters, and they're filler episodes, and they talk about things like, you know, stuff. Yeah, I'm running out of steam here, guys. Um, That's it for me. As always, be the better person that you were today. Be a better person than you were yesterday. Ah, there you go. And uh, always try to be better and uh, stay frosty. Hey, it's the devil and the devil is free.